You're listening to the platform bar. Welcome to the Platte River Bar. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And today we speak with Matt Gutschik, the artistic director of the Rose Theater in Omaha, Nebraska. Sherry spoke to Matt about his experience, the upcoming online production of A Kid's Play About Racism, and the exciting live and socially distant upcoming season at the Rose. Thank you so much for being here today with us. And we have some exciting projects that we want to talk about, but for just a minute, I wanted to talk about you and how you came to the Rose and how long you've been there and find out a little bit about you. Sure. Um, So I have had the good fortune of working at the Rose for seven years now, which for somebody moving here from, um, you know, outside the metro area, um, this has not felt like a long amount of time. It feels like I'm still learning about the community every day. Um, But I grew up outside of Chicago and I um, went to college in North Carolina. And while I was in college, I taught some after-school classes in an education program at a local community theater there. And that turned into a job after I graduated from college being the education director of that theater. Um, But I decided to go to graduate school to work for a larger institution that serves family audiences and children specifically um, with theatrical classes and productions. So I got to go to the the Yale School of Drama. And as part of that, I interned with the largest professional children's theater in North America, if not the world. It's in Minneapolis, and it's just called the Children's Theater Company. So good, clear name there for what it is. And um, that really gave me a good entry point into the professional field that um, I was very fortunate to emerge into when I... um, when I came here to Omaha to take this job. I had taught at um, the Interlochen Arts Camp, which is in Northern Michigan. It's a beautiful and, and very well-respected arts camp for children. Um, I had taught there for three years, directing their middle school um, theater program. And to this day, middle schoolers are like my favorite age to teach drama to because they sort of have one foot in the intellectual complexity of adulthood but um, they still have a foot very much inside the world of play and imagination that we associate with childhood. And I just think it's a really um, wonderful and, and of course, everybody knows it's awkward too, place to be in. So um, that um, is how I came here and, and it's been an awesome ride. The staff at the Rose is so talented um, and the, the community here in the metro area is really incredible. At the Rose, we actually... Um, you know, enjoy a really, really large audience. And when you think about what that says about our community's commitment to the arts and to children, um, it makes me really proud to be a part of our community. So how long have you been at the Rose um, then? Seven years. Seven years. And you've done some really amazing productions in that time. Oh my gosh. We've been very, very lucky. We've got an incredible technical staff and we also have the good fortune of having a group of um, very talented actors that are on you know, full-time work with the Rose because they also teach. We call them teaching artists. So when people sign up for classes, oftentimes those classes are taught by people who will be in our shows and are very talented teachers as well, um, which we think is a really exciting and very unique model. So um, it's, it's been a pretty incredible ride. We've had, you know, some 
awesome experiences making musicals like Disney's Little Mermaid and Matilda, and then creating the yeah. world premiere of some work that really sometimes has a really local focus. Um, a season ago, we did a piece about Chief Standing Bear um, from the Ponca, and that mm -hmm. was called Return to Niobrara. So we, every year, for every couple years at least, try to do a piece that we develop ourselves that speaks to our sense of local identity here in the area, um, in addition to world premieres of you know, famous books and movies and that kind of thing. So, And one of the things I really like about The Rose is you're offering different things for um, kids with maybe disabilities, that you have the sensory performances. You're, you, you think of, of everything so everyone can be included yeah. in theater. Yeah, absolutely. We're very happy to be a very inclusive place. Um, and we're still learning. Um, as best practices evolve, we try to keep up with them. But our staff is always so mindful when we're creating a, a class plan or that kind of thing of how we can be open and create an equal experience to any um, any children who might have exceptionalities. Yeah, I love that about it. And I, I know if, I've even heard in my own circles really good things about that from families who have kids with with autism or or whatever issue they've really appreciated it at the rose and your teaching classes are still going this summer as well so and i've heard some things in my own personal circles about kids who have been involved in that and they were really impressed they didn't know what to expect yeah since we're doing all this socially distancing so. yeah we've done some digital classes and and they've really gone really really well i mean of course this is unknown territory for educators across the spectrum but in theater education where we're so used to being able to move around the space and, you know, in fully embody characters with our bodies. Um, there, of course, were a lot of parents who were going, well, how's this going to be different from the Zoom classes that my kid had for school? And I have never had a summer where parents have written more emails thanking our teaching artists for the experience that the kids have had. It gives them social engagement that, you know, they've really had taken away from their lives. Yeah. Um, but then also we really are finding our way into doing creative play and dramatic play inside the world of um, each kid's each kid's home. Um, and so it's been a fun challenge for our team, but I think families are, I, I just can't think of another summer where people have indicated so much appreciation for the work that our educators do. Um, and, you know, looking to, to the fall, we are hoping to do some socially distanced, but in-person classes, both after school and on the weekends um, in acting, dance, musical theater, voice, um, and creative drama. And for, um, you know, everybody from pre-K all the way up through high school. Um, but we do have these digital backups in case, you know, schools fully close again or that kind of thing. We're um, we're ready to still deliver a really excellent experience um, on, on Zoom or Teams as it may be if that becomes necessary. That's neat. And it'll be interesting to see how this pandemic changes, you know, all of our lives afterwards, if we're still able to offer things digitally and maybe accommodate people with other disabilities that can't do in-person things totally. as well. well. I think it'll be really interesting to see how that happens. You also think about geographic reach, you know, typically theater is the kind of discipline that you have to go to. You have to make a yeah. Uh, physical journey to get someplace for the class or the show or whatnot. And, um, you know, our plan for next season involves streaming shows. Our plan for classes involves these digital backups. And actually 
we're discussing right now, uh, it looks increasingly likely we're going to do a hybrid model where kids could either be physically in person or they could be participating fully from their very own um, living room. And I think that that will probably forever change the way that we teach theater and maybe the way that we experience theatrical productions. Um, you know, anybody who's enjoyed Hamilton on Disney Plus in the last month knows that you can really get a high quality um, video capture of a piece of theater that that does represent all the excitement of the original. Um, it's not a replacement, yeah. but it is a kind of a near cousin to the actual thing. Right. I think it's great that we're moving that direction. And one of the things that you guys are doing right now in, in order to be inclusive is you are uh, offering on Broadway On Demand a kid's play about racism. Do you want to tell us a little bit how The Rose got involved with that and what that's about? Yeah, so like many organizations, we have been wrestling with two things this summer. One, um, how we operate inside the conditions of shutdowns and the pandemic and how we plan for the future. But then also the reconciliation that we need to undertake and the transformation that we need to pursue when it comes to inclusion, specifically along race lines. So as the Black Lives Matter protests um, really got going this summer, a lot of theaters across the country were saying, hey, we serve children and we're getting a lot of requests from parents for some resources to help them talk with their kids about race. And so 40 other theaters and The Rose decided to put together an adaptation of a book called A Kid's Book About Racism. It's written by Jelani Memory, and it's an excellent resource for families, both um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, and white families, to talk about race. And we really wanted to use drama to make that book come to life. And so it's going to be a, a, a streamed play on demand that families can watch at their leisure this weekend, August 1st and 2nd. We're working on plans to make it permanently available, but we don't have anything to announce yet about that. Um, we're still very hopeful, though, that we'll be able to, um, to bring it back. But for now, it's just going to be August 1st and 2nd. Um, families can sit down. They can go to a kidsplayabout.org, and they're going to find both uh, the link to the stream of that piece, but also a series of really awesome resources that will help parents start the conversation with their kids across the age spectrum from pre-K aged kids all the way up through sixth grade kids. So there's developmentally appropriate questions and activities that families can do together to get that conversation started. The piece is only about 30 minutes long. So uh, knowing that families have busy weekends this is not going to be too much of a chunk. Um, you could watch it while you're eating breakfast um, and still have a really awesome experience with the play. Um, so we're really happy that we're able to keep it a fairly contained thing. And then um, maybe most importantly, it's free. And people can share this opportunity you know, far and wide because ultimately, while it's, it's a bunch of theaters across the nation, um, we know that this is addressing a social problem that we are all... Um, participants in finding a solution to. And so we do hope that people will not only watch it themselves, but also share it with others um, because this resource is being made available completely for free to everybody. And I loved what you mentioned earlier too, when we were just chatting in the green room that families can just stop the tape and, or stop, <laughs> that shows my age, stop, stop the TV and uh, have to have the discussion about racism right there. Yeah, I think well. for, for any families so nice. that kind of go, well, where do you start? Number one, the most important thing is to begin. 
regardless of where you begin talking about this with kids, we know that developmentally, it's important that kids have these issues brought up by the adults in their lives really early, as young as two and three years old, because they're already experiencing the dynamics of race in our society. So, you know, what we encourage is for people to stop and start and talk about where each scene lands in the body. How does it make, how does it make you feel? And for parents to acknowledge that vulnerably and for kids to, to see parents modeling that kind of vulnerability and honesty is a really healthy thing developmentally. So we're hopeful yeah. that this is an opportunity, particularly because we're making it available on demand, um, where families can talk about it as much as they want, even as they're watching it. I, I love the idea of of us evolving as a family like that. So we're talking about adults who are also maybe dealing with with how what their view of racism is and has been. One of the things that I've seen recently in the news is they talk about cancel culture. And, and is that really a healthy thing? Can someone come back from something that they've done that's that's not socially okay yeah. and not illegal, just, social, <laughs> just not okay? And, and to cancel them out completely, we need to be able to have that environment where the discussion happens and the change takes place yeah. and, and they evolve to to a different level. And really what people will find is that this is a piece that's not, um, it's not super preachy or didactic. It's really just a learning tool. It's exciting and it's fun and it's got great music, um, fabulous performances by actors from all across the country, but it is not intended to shame absolutely anybody. And one of the things that we really yeah. encourage among children, and it really needs to be encouraged among adults a little bit more too, is asking questions. Um, oftentimes, particularly when it comes to race, kids will ask meaningful and developmentally appropriate questions. And, and if they're awkward or if the adult in their life is not quite um, sure how to answer that question, um, we can sometimes shut it down or say, and this is damaging to do, say, well, we don't talk about that. And so this is really a piece that's intended to open that up a little bit and to acknowledge that it's healthy for kids to ask questions and for mm -hmm. adults to also not always know the answers. I'm so glad that you guys are doing this. Recently, I saw that Douglas County is is making racism a public health issue, and I think it's it's great that we're having that conversation. It's not just the virus; it's we're also dealing with racism, and it, it is a, a public health issue. Absolutely. I think as well. And the urgency of both is probably equal, right? Um, people are are um, are dying because of both of these crises, and so. Um, right. You know, what, what this summer has really opened up, I think, for our society is an invitation to transform and to imagine many versions of the future that do not have to look like our current moment or our past. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the upcoming season and what you have planned as well sure. besides um, this? Yeah, so. I'd love to. Thank you. So we are going to be doing some um, actual productions in our space. It's a huge theater almost a thousand seats. And so we're gonna be doing socially distanced seating for people that are comfortable coming to a, a physical space to experience theater. Um, the first show is set to open in September and it's gonna be called Penguin Problems. It's a world premiere. It's based on the Jory John book. Um, adults might remember there was a coffee table book a couple years ago that was really, really popular. It's called All My Friends Are Dead. Um, it was a book for adults, obviously, and it was about a dinosaur that survived um, the dinosaur extinction. Well, that author has gone and made a, a children's book about a penguin that um, is no longer happy being contained to living in the Arctic. And we thought, well, this is actually a piece that 
meets the conditions that a lot of us are living in right now. You know, most of us yeah. would not choose the restrictions that are placed on our sense of movement and, and the inability to um, meet with people, hug friends and relatives. I mean, all these kinds of things that we're, we're sort of feeling limited by. Well, this main character feels limited by um, his circumstances and he finds a way to reconcile himself to them. It's a super funny piece, um, great songs. We're gonna have a live band. Um, and this is true of all of our shows this season. We're doing small cast shows so that the cast can socially distance while they're performing. And that should um, maximize the, the safety for audience members. But then we're also doing this cool thing where people that are not comfortable coming into a physical theater yet can um, stream the shows. So we're gonna be having a really high quality video made of each one of the productions this season that folks can, um, can also uh, view if they're not comfortable coming to the rows physically to see the show. Um, so there's really, you know, hopefully, regardless of where people are at in terms of their level of comfort, there's an option for them to still have theater in their family's lives. So Penguin Problems kicks that off. And then we're doing this really awesome adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life, which was the show that actually opened the Rose Theater in 1995. And um, oh, wow. we're, we're doing a new adaptation of it. It's a small cast version. So you're going to see a couple of actors playing all the roles. And the director, Sarah Brown and writer, has had this amazing idea to have a kid play Clarence, the guardian angel for George Bailey, who eventually helps him see his life in a new light. So it's going to be really fun for kids to watch this show through that lens, where um, Clarence is asking questions as we watch George's story. And it, and it really is a kid that ends up saving the day. So we're excited about that piece. It's going to have some music from the 1940s in it. Um, again, played live with a small, um, with a, a piano player, and then a couple of the actors might play their own instruments and that kind of thing. And then the season progresses with another show that is very focused on Nebraska. It's called um, How to Build an Ark, Searching for Joel Sartori. Joel Sartori um, is a Ralston-based, um, or Lincoln-based, excuse me, he was born in Ralston, uh, National Ge Geographic photographer. Anybody who's been to the Omaha Zoo has probably seen his work. He does pictures of species in captivity that are endangered, and he uses those pictures to create a sense of awareness and urgency around species extinction across the globe. So we're doing a play about him because he's a, a proud Nebraska son, and it's being written also by a local playwright, Ellen Struve. She's made this beautiful play oh, that's very funny. Um, a kid is yeah. looking at a National Geographic magazine and she gets taken inside the pictures that Joel Sartori has taken. So she gets to meet some of the characters um, represented oh, by those neat. animals that he photographed. Um, it should be a really beautiful piece. We're using large scale, colorful projections all across the stage. And then the member season will wrap up with um, Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus, which is based on the Mo Willems picture book. It's a really popular <laughs> picture book about a pigeon that um, really, really falls in love with the, the power and the size of the local bus. He wants to drive it, but his legs just aren't long enough because he's a pigeon. And so um, oh. he has to find another way to contribute to his community. Um, that should be a funny comedy musical. It's going to be done using puppetry. So we're excited about the visuals oh. on that as well. And then the season will wrap yeah. up with um, Disney's The Descendants, which is a story about, it's based on the um, movies that are on Disney Plus and have been aired on the Disney Channel. 
and um, all the children of Disney protagonists and villains. So think like the children of Cruella de Vil, the children of um, Jafar, as well as the children of Cinderella and Belle. Um, they're all um, trying to reconcile a world where the villains and the, the quote unquote good guys have been physically separated from one another. The villains have been banned to the land of villains and um, the kids are going to high school together. So they try to um, bridge that gap in their community. So that's going to be the, the season. Neat. Oh, how these are really innovative. I love how you guys have done that. And especially during these times where it's hard to get the copyright for other things and then be able to video it. If it's yours, you get to video it. Yeah. So okay. the, the first three pieces That's are world wonderful. premieres and that makes it um, a lot more yeah. exciting for us to be able to share those with the, with the community. I mean, we've never yeah. done a season, I don't think, with 80% of the shows being totally brand new and originated by the Rose. Right. Um, but because right. we have those rights a little bit more under our control, we can stream them. And then the rights holders for Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus have been really generous with, with letting us have a streaming license for that. Oh, that's great. I think they're probably going to have to in order to keep theater alive. Yeah, and we'll see what happens in future years if um, if they remain open to this or if it's just a temporary thing. But, you know, I think for us, when we do a world premiere, it'd be really nice to archive that video um, in a really high-quality way so that those plays get done by other theaters around the country. Um, yeah. So I think it's something that The Rose is most likely going to continue doing with its own shows. That's fantastic. And and what a great way to help keep the rose alive and, and just create another revenue stream since the revenue stream that we have currently with COVID is, is making it more difficult. So yeah. that's fantastic. Wonderful. Thank you, Matt, so much for your time today. You're an immensely talented person, and I'm just really honored to be able to spend time with you talking to you about this. Well, thanks. It means so much to be able to talk about all this exciting stuff with you. A Kids Play About Racism is available on Broadway On Demand, August 1st and 2nd, for free. A trailer is available now. If you watch through the Rose Theater website, you will find more resources, including a study guide and a video on the book. The link will be listed in the show notes and our social posts, or go to rosetheater.org and click on A Kid's Play About Racism. Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard.